Hi, and welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us online and remind you to feel free to visit our website at seacoastvineyard.com anytime for up-to-date information on our local church here in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. If you would like to give financially to this ministry, whether that's a one-time gift or a recurring monthly gift, simply click on the Give tab at our website and give however God leads you. Now, we want you to enjoy this message from God's Word. My name's Tim. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, good to see you. And if this is your first time, welcome. Welcome to the Vineyard. Uh, I do want to to say and to invite any and all of you who consider this church your home church, if, uh, if this is where you come to church and uh, say this is home, then next Sunday night we have what we call Vision Night every year uh, where we get together, we look back over 2000, the year before 2013, and we look forward to this year and we look uh, maybe look at some finances, different things like that. But this year we have uh, kind of a surprise guest that's going to be with us, and I need your help. We have an architect that's going to be meeting with us to share for about five minutes, and then he is going to hand out a survey. Now, this is just to gather information on where the church believes we are facilities-wise, what you guys see around this building, what you sense in the building. I need your input. The uh, the board needs your input. And so uh, it's just the beginning of us gathering information to uh, we're looking at the years ahead and trying to make plans and be a good steward over what God is doing here. And so I need your input. You know, it's, it's like, you, you know how you put something in the corner where well, maybe you don't, but you put something in the corner of your house and you forget about it. And after a while, you don't even see it. You walk in and it's just there, but your mind kind of blots it out till somebody new comes to your home and they go, what's that sitting in your corner? And you're like, oh man, I moved that there when I came in and I never even looked at it again, and, and you just didn't see it. You guys have fresh eyes. A lot of you that come in this building and you uh, are part of the ministries here, you're on Sunday mornings, you see things that those of us who have been here a while don't see. And so I need your help. We need your help. So if you would, come out next, next uh, Sunday night at 6.30. It, help us with the, uh, with the survey. I would appreciate it. The church would appreciate it. It will go a long ways toward helping us see where we are so we can see where we want to go. And so thank you for that. So having said that, today we're launching into a new vision, a new, uh, a new vision too, a new series that I'm calling Vineyard is Our Middle Name. You guys have middle names? Do you know where your middle name came from? You don't know. You know, my middle name, which may go without being told, but uh, is... Uh, you know, I was named after my granddad, and when I think of my middle name, I'll say it. It's Greer. Don't call me Greer. No, that's okay. My granddad's name was Greer. I loved him. Yeah, but when I think of my middle name, I think of my pop. You know, I think of he was a tall man. He, was, he had the best sense of humor, and so that middle name, each time I think I have to write it down, even the initial on anything, I am reminded of who I am and where I came from, and that I had a wonderful granddad who taught me some wonderful things while he was still here. And so today, we're going to take a look, this week, next week, and the following week, at what it means to be a vineyard church. That's our middle name, Seacoast, we're along the coast, vineyard, our middle name, we're a church, we're Christ followers, we gather around to learn what it means to follow Jesus. 
And uh, I know what some people think, you know, I get this question a lot. Man, why can't you Christians get it together? I mean, there's so many denominations, so many groups. Uh, just a Google search, you know, went from anywhere from 41,000 to 46,000 different denominations. I mean, so let's just say there's 43,000 different denominations or groups of Christians that gather around some type of common belief system in America. That's a whole lot. And, and I understand someone going... Dude, why can't you get it together? You know, why can't the Baptist, the Methodist, the Vineyard, why can't you guys all just kind of pull it in together and, and just be unified? Why are there so many of you? Can't you get along? And, uh, you know, I think the Bible gives us a bit of a, an explanation for this. This is the way I understand it. Um, in the New Testament, the church is called the body of Christ. And Paul talks about the body having many members and that is like an arm, a finger, legs. It makes, it's made up of all, what, you know, so many, what, 200, over 200 bones and, and just 100,000 billion cells, somebody estimated in the body. And we have something like 60,000 faults a day. All of, this, all of this mass of little pieces that are gathered in one place, like an elbow, a finger, a hand, an arm. And we think about that in the local church. And we go, well, I get that in the local church. We're all different. We got different gifts. But have you ever thought about it in the broader sense of, of the word? And that is that the body of Christ across the world, the church, universal, is like that body as well. That part of the body of Christ, there's a finger, there's a hand, there's a, you know, they gather around certain gifts and certain callings that God has given them. And that's how I understand different groups of people gathering together like Vineyard. We are a piece of the body of Christ. And so we have a part to contribute. Now, we're not the whole body. We're not, a, you know, we're not any special than the rest of the body and then the Baptist, Methodist, Episcopalians, you know, Pentecostal. We're not any better. We're not, we're not any of that, but we're a part of it. And we have a particular part to play in the body. Does that make sense to you? That's, that's the way I see it. And that way... I can celebrate all of the body of Christ. You know, I can celebrate all the different churches that follow Jesus. I can pray for them. I can support them, be friends with the pastors and the people and go, that's the full body of Christ around the world. And so, but what does it mean to be vineyard? What does it mean to be a part of the vineyard church? And so that's what we're going, going to look at over the next couple of days. Today we're going to look at the value of worship. The value of worship because it is a value in the vineyard. And um, we're going to be, what I'm going to try to do is in each of the values, like next week we're going to talk about how we look at others, how we look at other people, people even that are outside this door, the world that God loves. How do we look at people what do we believe about those who are not even in with us yet or in the building or are Christians yet? How do we approach them? We're going to look at the value of others next week. Today we're looking at the value of worship, of worshiping God, our creator. And I'm going to try to take uh, a psalm this morning. We're going to use it as our foundation as we talk about worship. And then along the way, I want to point out some things about what it means to be a vineyard people in the midst of worship. So if you've got your Bible, if you turn to Psalm 96, or if you've got your app, pull it up. It'll be up on the screens as well. And uh, we'll read these 13 verses and launch into this. Pray and launch in. 
Psalm 96, verse 1. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise His name. Proclaim His salvation day after day. Declare His glory among the nations, His marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before Him. Strength and glory are in His sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Bring an offering and come into His courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. Tremble before Him, all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound in all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant in everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord, for He comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in His faithfulness. Father, we ask blessing on Your Word this morning that You would breathe life on it. I ask for Your help. I ask that You would help me be able to, Lord, express Your heart for worship and also what You have called us to as a local church and also as a larger part of the family of Vineyard Churches, Lord. Jesus, we love You. We thank You that and while we were so far away from You, You came and gave Your life for us to draw us near to our Creator, to make a way for us to be reconciled to He who made us, who dreamed of us, created us, and gave us life, and gave us an adventure, and Lord, a will to follow Your will. Holy Spirit, we welcome You here. We open our hearts to You. We ask for You to teach us. We ask for You to change us. We ask for You to reacquaint us with Your great love. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, in Psalm 96, you have a fill-in, by the way, in your handout. If you want to track along with me, it's just a way to kind of stay, uh, stay up with me as I move along. You should have a pen as well. Your first fill-in there is from the first couple of verses. Sing to the Lord. Sing to the Lord. Sing to the Lord. Three times. Your first fill-in is sing. <laughs> sing. The value of worship. Uh, in the vineyard is we have a high value of singing, uh, sing to the Lord. And uh, the, the two bullet point fill-ins are it's not about how well you sing, it's about how good God is. <laughs> you get this? It's not about how well you sing, it's about how good God is. Uh, you know, in the vineyard, we... We place a high priority on seeing the congregation sing, seeing the people that come in be able to sing. Now, there are all kinds of churches, and we're just, a, you know, we're just one of them. And some churches you know, have like professional musicians who get up on the stage, and they're paid every Sunday to play, and they, they're basically there to, to play great music so that it can be entertaining and people can feel really good about coming in. There's nothing wrong with that. That's their piece of the body. That's, you know, that's their part to play, and I celebrate that with those churches that do that. 
And uh, that's part of their vision, of their call, their DNA, who they are. There are churches who sing the old hymns, and that's all they sing. And I love the old hymns and appreciate that. And, and they, they're churches that don't have rhythm, you know. I mean, they, you know, it's played. When I first went to church with Karen, you know, when she invited me to church when we were dating, I mean, I was a musician. I was playing in bars up and down the beach here. And when we, I went to church, you know, the music was like this. You know, everything. There was no movement to it, you know. And, and, I, and finally I found out why there was no movement to it. And, and I understood it, you know. I, I said, okay, well, that makes sense, you know, that, that they, don't, they don't want a rhythm. Somebody put your hand over your heart and say, thank God for the rhythm. But, uh, you know, it's like... <laughs> Uh, showing my bias a little bit, 120 beats per minute. You know, most songs are written at 120 beats per minute. There's a natural rhythm to it, you know, and it feels good and natural. And so, uh, but some churches sing the old hymns because they value the past and that theology of the past speaks to them. And it's rich and it's beautiful and, and I love it too. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's a part of the body of Christ. And still there are others who... Uh, which was what we were in for probably 16, 17, 18 years where, you know, the worship team was a cheerleader, basically. They were a cheerleading squad, and, and uh, that's what we came out of. And, I mean, I was a worship leader for like 17, 18 years, and when you got up on the stage, man, we ramped everybody up, and when we came out, if I couldn't get everybody in their seat jumping up and down and singing and moving around, I had failed as a worship leader. And uh, because we just wanted the energy in the room, and there's nothing wrong with that. I celebrate that. That's great. That's a part of the body of Christ. It's beautiful in it all. But where does vineyard fit in the midst of that? We have a value of allowing people space and room for themselves where they can dial it back just a little bit, find a space with God, and then begin to give themselves to God without feeling manipulated or hyped. That's our part. That's our contribution to the body of Christ is that we want to allow space. We want to encourage, but we want to set the table and invite the Holy Spirit and invite the church to come and let's give God his due. And we, we want to do that without there seemingly being any hype or being any manipulation or trying to you know, twist and, and get people to do something. We want people to want to do it, that they see a value in doing it. And then they do it. And uh, so worship and the singing is very important to us. And I don't think he would have said it over and over and over again. You know, sing to the Lord. Evidently, uh, if David, they're not sure if David wrote this psalm or not, but uh, if David did write it or whatever worship leader wrote this psalm in Psalm 96, evidently he had to say it to the people three times. In other words, you know, come on, God's due his praise and let's, Let's give him, let's sing to him. And, you know, like I said, it's, it's not how well you sing. It's how great God is. God is not looking at you when you sing. When we go back to worship in just a bit, he isn't looking at you and going, oh, dude, you just don't need to be singing. You know, he's not, you know, it's not the key you're singing in or lack thereof, um, you know, that blesses him. It's your voice that blesses him. It's your voice he wants to hear. Do you realize he gave you your voice? I mean, that was a gift to you. And so when you sing, you give it back to him. It's a, it's a declaration. It's a praise to him that, thank you, Lord. Thank you. You gave me this. And so I'm going to give it right back to you. 
I give you praise. I give you honor. I give you glory. I uh, used to, one of the churches where I led worship, we had a guy in the church, and he, man, he sang in all keys at once. It was every key, you know. I mean, he probably hit it, the right one, every now and then. But, but he would sing, and his face would contort. It would bless me. I mean, I, I would turn around and look at him. You know, and he was just singing away and, and just doing all he could to give God the voice that God had given him and giving him the praise. And so when we praise God, when we worship God in the song, when the Lord hears your voice, it blesses him. When we go back to singing in a few minutes, it blesses him because he's great. And you're telling him that when you sing. And uh, your second one there, first one was sing. The second one there is in verses 3 through 8. Declare his glory among the nations. Declare and make a statement, make a bold statement. And we do that in worship. And that's a, that's a value to us in the vineyard that we do this thing together. Uh, that we on Sunday mornings or in our small groups or wherever we are, we declare his glory. Glory is a great word. It's a word in the Old Testament that meant weightiness. You ever said about someone they carry a lot of weight like a lot of authority or influence or gravitas in a certain area well that's what the word glory is it's it's god carries a lot of weight he carries a lot of authority and so we declare his authority we declare his influence when we sing when we worship him we declare that indeed he has all authority in heaven and earth it's his and so and your two subheading, your bullet points there are this, and I'm just going to keep nailing this this morning. It's not about feelings. It's about how good God is. It's about how good God is. The worship is His. It's to Him. It's for Him. You know, back in uh, verse 2, that, that, uh, that verse ended with uh, proclaim His salvation day after day. I mean, we don't feel like it day after day, do we? Do you feel like doing something every single day? You don't. We have to actually tell ourselves to do it sometimes. But you know what? When you don't feel like it, you don't have to respond to that. You don't have to be captured or held hostage by your feelings. Every feeling has been preceded by a decision. You know that, don't you? It's the feelings aren't telling you the truth necessarily, but your decision, somewhere there's been a conclusion made, and now it's being reinforced with a feeling. So sometimes we have to back up, and we have to go, all right, I don't feel this, but I know this is true. God is good. I know it. I don't feel it right now, but I know it. And because He is good, I am going to give him what's due him, and that's his praise and his worship. I'm going to do it. We don't have to respond to those feelings. I heard a pastor, we were coming back from being at a church planning intensive last weekend, and uh, on the way back from Virginia Beach, and our, we were listening to a pastor preach, and he said, uh, the difference in cats and dogs are this. A dog says, you feed me, you take care of me, you must be God. A cat says, you feed me, you take care of me, I must be God. <laughs> and see, that's the problem. In churches, we're a bunch of cats. 
You know, it's like, hey, come feed me. Come take care of me. I'm God. You know, instead of looking, we need more dogs in church. To be able to look and to say, now you feed me. You take care of me. You must be God. I will meet you, Lord, where you are in your greatness, in your holiness. And I will declare your goodness to all the nations. And uh, it is amazing. I tell you, in worship, I don't come in expecting to get anything when I worship. I really come in wanting to give to God. But you never give to God that he doesn't give back. Some of you have come in here during worship and suddenly you started crying. You started weeping and you don't know why. You just don't know why. And you're like, what is going on with me? Why am I feeling this? It's because in the midst of that worship, suddenly we become vulnerable. Our hearts are peeled back. And suddenly we're feeling safe and things are beginning to flow out of us. I want you to know you're in a, you're in a safe place to let yourself and let the Holy Spirit come. Some of us come in here broken. We're carrying burdens. And what a great time to acknowledge that God is sovereign in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our hurting. Jesus said that he came for the brokenhearted. You know, when he came, when Jesus, you know, Jesus is here right now. You know that, don't you? Yeah, he's here right now. And it says he came for the brokenhearted. I mean, he's here for you. And so when you worship him, suddenly you feel that. You sense that. You feel his presence and you go, what is going on with me? I don't know what's happening. God always gives back as we give to him. And so some pretty amazing things can happen even in worship, even though we're gathering for him. And, uh, you know, we want to give him his due. Uh, vineyard, we have theology, we have what, you know, we have a practice and all, but we have a very rich heritage in the vineyard of worship. Uh, just like the middle name that you have, that I have, that has a rich heritage, you have a rich heritage as being a part of the Vineyard Church. We have over 30 years of a very deep uh, uh, influence in the world of worship music and in praise. I mean, John Wimber, our founder, was the keyboardist, saxophonist, and the song arranger for the Righteous Brothers. So, you know, he was playing in Las Vegas when he came to Christ. And God used him to help birth the vineyard movement. So music, I mean, John would sit down at the piano and play these very simple songs. Isn't he beautiful, beautiful, isn't he? All these beautiful little simple songs and the Holy Spirit would just come in and would just capture the hearts of people. And we have that deep, rich heritage. People like Chuck Gerard. Some of you won't know this. Some of you who have been around will know these names. Chuck Gerard and... Uh, people like Keith Green and Larry Norman and more recently, you know, Jeremy Riddle, people like that. Even Bob Dylan was a part of the Vineyard for a while. Switchfoot, the band, all Vineyard guys, you know. There's Mumford and Sons, Marcus Mumford. You know, Marcus's mom and dad are the directors, national directors for the Vineyards in England. John and Ellie are the directors there. And so there's that rich heritage of music and worship and praise in the vineyard that is a part of us. Let's tap into it. That's our birthright as vineyardites, is worship and praise, to have a place to be able to give God the glory. Your third one here is worship. Notice in verses 9 through 10, worship. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. 
And again, your two bullet points are this. It's not about you. It's about God. <laughs> worship is not about me, not about you. It's not even about the worship team. It's about God. It's about Him. Worship, worship is a wonderful word. It means to bow down, to, to show honor to, to reverence God. So we reverence the Lord. It's about Him. How many of you read the Purpose Driven Life when it came out? That gazillion, billion seller that went around the world by Rick Warren. Uh, uh, do you remember the first four words of this book? It's not about you. <laughs> first four words. First four words. And then he goes on and he says, The purpose of your life is far greater than your own personal fulfillment, your peace of mind, or even your happiness. It's far greater than your family, your career, or even your wildest dreams and ambitions. If you want to know why you were placed on this planet, you must begin with God. You were born by His purpose and for His purpose. And in worship, we get to recognize that. We get to go. It's not about me, Lord. It's about you. It's about you. We begin with God, not ourselves. Like I come into the building and I'm like, oh man, I don't want to sing any songs. You know, it's like, yeah, you know, no, is God the same? Is He the same yesterday, today, and forever? Does He have a plan? Do you think you might hear Him this morning? Do you think He might move on you this morning? Let's give Him praise. Let's give Him glory. Let's give Him His due. And uh, in, the, in the vineyard, we have... I mean, every vineyard's different in, in many ways, but we, we have this strand of DNA. You will notice that most of, uh, most of the teams will find a place where they're not really drawing attention to themselves. They're trying to set the table for you guys so you guys can get to God, so you guys can sing. Uh, John Wimber, years ago, he was pretty, pretty brutal on this, having been a songwriter and a worship leader himself, but he used to tell worship leaders, he said, look, the sooner you can get out the way, the quicker I can get to God. <laughs> In other words, you set the table, you fix it for us, and take us, you know, let it where we can get to the Lord. That's a value for us in the vineyard. And that's why no matter if we're having a real jubilant set and joyful set, which I love and I want more of here in the church, I want more celebratory music, but there will be a place where we give to God, where things settle down and where you voluntarily just give it to Him. And you'll notice the team kind of stepping back and they'll let you have it and let you take it to God. That's a value for us. We strongly believe that's a gift given to us as a vineyard church to be able to, to cultivate that and to have people worship and praise and, and uh, step back and give it to God. Give it to God. We kind of dial it back instead of dialing it up sometimes. People are like, bring it on, let's go. You know, and then suddenly the team's dialing it back. That's so you can rest and give it to God. Give it to God. Give it to Him. So it's, it's intentional. You know, and by the way, can we thank our worship team for all they do? They work so hard. We have a fantastic worship team. They work as a team. You know, music, being a musician, I can tell you that we musicians, you know, can... Well, a friend of mine, Ray Hughes, used to say they, uh, 
egos in blue jeans. <laughs> That's what he used to call musicians because he was a good one too. But we don't have that in this team. You know, they work together as a team. There's no rock star. The only star here is Christ. The star is let me get to God. I need to get to Him. And this team, they work hard to do it well and to do it in such a way that you guys get a chance to give God His due. That's their passion, and I really appreciate it. They're so wonderful to work with. In Gary Smalley and John Trent's book on the blessing, I read this book years ago, uh, had to deal with blessing your children, five ways to be able to, uh, to uh, raise your kids up and to bless them. I read through this recently, and I thought, wow, you know what? This would be a great way to bless God even. You can turn the blessing back on God. And the five things that Trent and Smalley mentioned on how to bless your kids, one was that you bless them through meaningful touch. That whenever we touch our kids in a very meaningful, loving, gentle way, that uh, we bless them. And I mean, God shows us mercy in touching us, doesn't he? I mean, with his compassion, his gentleness, his forgiveness. He comes to us and consoles us in our sadness. Uh, he touches us, but in worship, we get to touch God. We get to bless God by touching Him, by saying, we trust you. And we call His name out, and it blesses Him. The second way to bless, Trenton Smiley said that blessing must, Smiley said, blessing must be articulated. It's really not a blessing until you say it. Your kids need to hear you say it. Bless them. Bless them. Let them hear the words. Articulate it. Choose your words and say it to them. Isn't it a blessing when someone walks up to you and has a well thought out uh, thanks to you for what something you've done for them or who they are to you? Or, or you get a letter in the mail and you can tell the person has put some thought into what they... Doesn't that bless you? And, and then God sends us this as a letter to us, articulating his great love for us. And now, guess what we get to do? We get to give it back. We even put the words on the screen for you. And you get to articulate all of us singing the same thing, and that blesses God. We get to bless God with the same things that we can bless one another with. And the third one that Trent and Smalley mentioned was blessing by attaching a high value to and, uh, you know, we, we put a high value on our kids and we make them priorities and we do everything we can to help them. And Jesus, you know, over in Matthew 6, said about us, he said, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow, they don't reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? How is that for attaching a high value to you? And we can do the same to God. When we worship, we bless Him by attaching a high value to Him. God, you're above all else. There's no one like you. And praising Him and blessing Him. And fourthly, Trenton Smalley said, we bless through describing a special future for the person. You have dreams for your kids, don't you? And you tell them, boy, this is the way I'm praying for you. This is what I want to see happen I have a preferable future for you. And you speak that blessing many times over them when they're young and you pray over them and you call it out and you speak it out. You describe a very special future. I mean, and God, 
you know, he's done this to us many times. I mean, Jesus is walking along the beach and he sees Peter, you know, in his, over at the boat and he looks at Peter and he says, hey, if you follow me, you'll stop being a fisherman of fish and you'll be a fisherman of men, right? Another future. Here's a preferable future for you, Peter. You're going to quit doing that and I'm going to take you on a new journey, a future journey where you will fish for people. And uh, in Ephesians 2.10, Paul says, For we, you and I, are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works for God. Do good works which God prepared in advance. There's that future for us to do. God has planned good things for you to do. And so that's a blessing when I read that. I go, Lord, I have meaning. I have purpose. We can sing that right back to God. We can give it right back to God and go, you know what, God? One day, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. That is the future. In the future, Lord, your kingdom is going to come in fullness. And you will rule and reign over all. And I celebrate that. Matter of fact, that's the ending of this psalm. That's what it's celebrating. And then lastly, Trent and Smalley say that we bless through an active commitment to fulfill the blessing. Like, I'm going to do what I can for my kid to see that they fulfill what God has called them to do. And, of course, the cross is that statement to us in that Jesus came and paid the price to completely save our souls and to come and give us meaning and purpose in this life to serve Him and to follow Him. In Him, Ephesians 1 says, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of of God's grace that he lavished on us. God is actively committed to see that we're blessed through the cross. And we can be committed to not give up in blessing him when we face our feelings. I'm committed to bless you, Lord. When I'm going through loss, when things don't go well, when I get a call from the doctor that I wasn't wanting to hear, I will bless you, Lord. I am committed to fulfill the blessing to you, God. I will bless you. When things are going well, when things are going bad, when things are going this way or that way, in joy and pain and sorrow and gain and loss, I am committed to fulfill this blessing to bless you, Lord. And we bless Him. God is blessed. The last fill-in is this, in verses 11 through 13. Rejoice. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. It's not, here we go, it's not about faking it. It's about the reality of God's goodness. Uh, you know, in the vineyard, it's not about coming in and being slappy happy. You know, somebody asks you how you're doing and you got to say, great. No, you can be who you are. You can say, sucks. Yeah, it's bad right now. Things aren't going great. And we say, oh, really, let me pray for you. you know? And you pray for somebody. And you hug them and you say, well, I'm glad you're here today because we all get to go to God and God is ready to come. Who knows what God will do? Let's give God his glory. You know? And it's not about faking it. Just be yourself. But he's who he is. He's almighty God. So we give him the praise. We rejoice. We say it. We declare it. We sing it. And I love, let the earth be glad. In other words, let every tongue, every tribe, every nation, every dialect 
every possible expression by every type of people, rejoice, for your God has come. You know, every tribe, Revelation 7, 9 through 10 says that one day we're going to look out and there is going to be this great multitude that nobody can count. Every nation, every tribe, every people, every language standing before God, before the Lamb, and they cry out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Can you imagine what that's going to sound like? Not just with English. I'm talking every language, every single, you know, God is not speaking English. He's speaking whatever He speaks. I mean, He speaks all languages. You know that, right? God's not American. You do know that, right? I mean, really. Yeah, He is. You know, I mean, He's God. He's God. And all the nations of the world are going to praise Him. You know, my dream for us is that we become a little piece of the kingdom here. And that every dialect, every ethnicity, every tongue can come into a building and worship God in their language. And we can welcome people who speak different than we do, have different cultural uh, practices than we do, and they come in and with their language and with their culture for worshiping the way they do back home, we learn from them and we lift up a praise together. One of the most awesome worship services that probably affected me was in Singapore probably 30 years ago now. There were about 3,000 of us, seven Americans. 3,000 of us, and there were only seven Americans there. I was one of them on the second row. And the pastor steps up and says, we are going to sing this song all in our native tongue right now. And we started singing this chorus. I am telling you, I fell apart. I just turned around and looked back at those 3,000 people and heard Chinese and Malaysian and all kind of languages singing this song. And it was the most beautiful sound I have about ever heard. That's the kingdom. That's the praise and the worship that God deserves. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation. And in the vineyard, we value that. And we want to see more of that. And we want to hear that on our, in our services on Sunday and when we gather. Every nation, every tongue, every tribe. Your kingdom come on the earth now as it is in heaven. Let us see it right now. Let's pray. We hope you enjoyed this week's podcast from Seacoast Vineyard Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. We look forward to you joining us next time on iTunes or at our website, www.seacoastvineyard.com.